0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Self Evident Podcast. It's podcast number 55. You got Massey and Dan. Wow, this looks like a different face. Obviously, Mike is not here. He's actually in the studio, but he is behind the cameras because, well, we need to pray for Mike because he just doesn't think he's good looking enough to be in front of the cameras. I mean, can't, can't blame him. I'm totally kidding. No, Mike, we're, we're going to. Yeah. See you guys. Have good night. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. Mike is awesome. He's just uh this is Dan, one of our dear friends. Um, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna interview Dan tonight. And the reason is because we we love one thing in the podcast that we do, I think, try to highlight as much as possible is we see all the ills going on in society, Dan. We see a lot of things happening with uh current politics, uh whether whether it's political, church-wide, whatever. We point out a lot of issues, and we love to, number one, bring hope, but we love to bring redemption. And so this is going to be an interview on redemption and how that all works. And not only that, but we have Dan, who's, uh, he was a a former military uh, veteran, uh, definitely has a story of his own. We kind of love people that that have a story, but that can actually just attribute all that to the Lord and, like, how he kept them. And so, everybody, welcome, Dan, to the show. Good to see you. Dan is a regular listener of Self-Evident Podcasts. Uh, what I love about Dan is he doesn't always agree with our points, which I absolutely love because what it does is it challenges us to know the truth. It challenges us to, to d- dig a little more, do a little more research. Not that he's always right either, but the fact is that we're challenging one another. So, Dan, I got a ton of questions for you, bud. All right. And as we're sitting here drinking our cups of coffee, our cups of coffee, we are going to uh, get into this interview right away with, man, where are you from? Uh, I was- Don't say the city, just say the state.
1: Where are you from? I was born in California, but I'm from Idaho.
0: Man, where... California? Where were you from in Cali? Santa Rosa. No kidding. Yeah. What brought you to... What brought you to... What? (laughs) How did you end up... What?
1: Uh, Explain. What what brought me to Idaho was a drive-by shooting a block from my what used to be upper middle class home and that pretty much
0: couldn't handle the pressure huh
1: folks were like now that's it we're out (laughs) of here you know it's not my fault the cops were looking for me after that (laughs) i thought i was pretty clean you know (laughs) i was 11 uh no no actually you know funny thing first time i ever had a gun pointed at me i was playing in my front yard with my gi joe's i think i was seven years old wow yeah my mom got in a subaru and ran him down got his license plate and called the cops
0: wow No which
1: you know did a a great deal because they showed up and basically said, Oh, there's nothing we can do. We know this guy.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. So, so growing up for you, what was it like? What What was the, because I'm going to build into this. So, what was it like growing up? Did you know single family home, no, full no, family no. home? No.
1: Traditional family home, Christian, uh, very old school rules, Christian Heck home. Yeah. Basically, uh, you got to follow the rules or, you know,
0: You're destined to hell.
1: You're not. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, both my parents are children of alcoholics. So the rules changed. Yeah. Based on their mood. Right. Primarily my father. And, um, you know, he did the best he could with what he had. Sure. But mm, there was a lot of, it was a lot of hellfire brimstone. If you don't do exactly what I say. uh, Actually, I got old enough to tell him some things once. And about last year, he said, "You know, God wants you to do this." And I looked at him and said, it "Must be nice to have God want everything that you want." <laughs> and that's the last time he mentioned it. Yeah, and it's funny because
0: I think the parents that we have are doing the best they can. You know, one thing I'm learning learning about my kids, you know, it's that. And I'm looking at Mike because he's he's got a little two two and a half. He's three now, two and a half, almost three. Almost almost three, three. Man, jeepers. just yesterday he was born you know but as as i get older i'm looking at my folks and i think a lot of you guys can attest to this too um you know how you're always like man i'm never gonna do what my parents did to me i'm never gonna be as heavy-handed i'm never gonna be as strict why you know why couldn't they give me more and all these other things and you end up realizing that man you know if if you're not careful your kid will run your life you know what i mean so i can understand why rules were important to them i mean because if they continue i mean let's be real when you grow up as an alcoholic, or you grow up with like an addict for a fo- like my dad, he before he got saved was an addict. Yeah. On, uh, on uh, drinking and smoking, you know. So he was he was very much and very very temperamental. Pops was, you know. Now he's cool. His only temper is laughter. But I mean, see, right? He's just crazy. He's always laughing. But you realize that, like over time, you're like, man, my kids will run this household if I don't mm-hmm. step up and do something. You know, if yeah. I don't have the the right. It's it's scary out there, especially nowadays, man. For kids. When they can get their hands on anything, you know. I mean, let's be real, right? Pornography, you get it's at the tip of a phone now, you yeah, know. it's like
1: terrifying. Terrifying okay. I'm I was born nineteen eighty. Okay, I'm not that old. I feel a lot older than I am, but
0: Bro, you're forty.
1: You know, I'm almost forty. Face it, you're forty. Almost. Not there yet. Okay. Uh you know, you go for pornography, you actually had to go looking. You had yeah, to track dude. it down. You had to find it, you had to steal Victoria's Secret from your dad, who stole it from your mom. And hope that nobody noticed. Um, now it's it's every phone. It is every it, phone, and there's no guards. I think that is the number one like assault on our children right now. Yeah, and it's not just men. Everybody thinks boys have problems with pornography. Women are having a problem with pornography Dude, it's that's been huge. underreported. It's on the rise right and now, and it is on the rise. And they're gearing it towards them.
0: Mm-hmm. If you think about it too, because it's like now placating to. I don't, we're, let's just go with the tangent for a minute. It's placating on fantasies like they're just making fantasies out of nothing now you know what i mean like everything is a fantasy everything is uh i don't i can't explain it because when i was addicted to it you know for that two years or whatever it was it was just everywhere like i i i I knew when to do it how to do it how to hide it you know what i mean so it's like it's crazy
1: how it's incredibly dangerous because it completely destroys your perception of what a Reality in regards to relationships, in regards to women, in regards to how you should relate to them. That's
0: exactly right.
1: And if you're not careful, you can take that into reality. That's right. And then you get to a point where it doesn't match your fantasy.
0: Yeah, unneeded expectations.
1: And you can't have a meaningful relationship. Exactly. Because they're never going to meet that expectation. It's not possible. That's right. It's not physically possible, not humanly possible. And um, I took it farther than that. Uh, I've had a pornography addiction since I was, like, to 12, you know. And had hardcore conviction about it for a lot of my life. It was one of those things where it was like, just take this from me. Take this from me. Take this from me. And just would not. Yeah, You know, know, I found that. myself in it again and again and again. And I finally, about the time I walked away, because I grew up Christian, and then in my Late teens, I walked a, started to walk away. And in my early 20s, I, I put the hammer down on... I know who God is. I know he exists. I want nothing to do with him. I get you. And uh, I was in the Army. And sex and alcohol, man, that's like a lifestyle. I I think of the Army it's sort of like uh, any military branch. It's sort of like being in college with uh, heavy artillery. You know, everybody you're tightly compressed, you're tightly wound, you're spooled up, and you're put under tight constraints. And the way to blow off that steam? Addiction. Yeah. Any, any form of, of release. And uh, it really got bad when I was stationed in Germany because of legal prostitution.
0: Yeah, so before we get to that part, like, what brought you to go to the military? Like, How was your upbringing to your teens, because I want to hit those things. Yeah, I'm skipping over a few Right, a few (laughs) few years, years but it's good. It's good, don't worry about it. Uh, We'll get it back on track.
1: We moved to Idaho when I was 11 because of a a drive-by shooting that happened a block away from our house. And Santa Rosa was a nice town when I was growing up. Um, So that was kind of a jarring change. And we didn't know anybody in Idaho. Right. We had vacation there once. And my mom goes, okay, we're moving to Idaho. And my dad's like, eh, all right. Mm. So we moved up there, and everything as far as the family relationship went downhill from there. Now, I don't necessarily think it would have survived if we'd stayed in California, and there's no point in thinking back, knowing what if, what if, what if. Sure, sure. But my parents were married 20 years. And they did counseling and they did everything they felt they had to do to try to keep the marriage going. And then they divorced when I was 17. And I asked them, why did you stay together 20 years? You know? Early part of my um, childhood, before my little sister was born, I had two kids, two parents. I'm the oldest. Before I'm supposed to have memories, my dad used to be physically abusive to my mother. He stopped that right before I was a toddler and went to continue his emotional and mental abuse on the family. And so it was basically 20 years of hell for my mom. And her reasoning for sticking it out was, I wanted to do it for you kids. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's our fault that you put yourself through hell. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Yeah, 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 Now, I get what she was trying to say. But, but that's how it came across. It was like, why was, you know, and for a, a, a while after the divorce, I knew the divorce was coming. Um, it wasn't a surprise. But at the same time, it was like my whole world fell apart. Even though it was a crappy world, it fell apart. It was what I knew, and I didn't have it anymore. Yep. Yeah. And for a little while after that, I'd always struggled with depression and uh, suicidal thoughts and cutting. And, uh, you know, I, I joke, I was a cutter before it was cool. Cause these days, you know, emo kids and all that stuff. Oh, this is cool. I'm like, dude. Tapers,
0: dude. Is emo kids still a thing, huh? Oh, okay.
1: You know, I know what you're saying. Whatever, but it's the, like, dude, whatever the little makeup bro, wearing kids are you calling and I, themselves. So this, you're born today. in '80. Yeah. I was born
0: in '81 in January, right? So it's like yeah. emo was oh, the I'm thing in the '90s. I thought yeah. you were older than no, me. No, you're older than me probably by a few months. The black hair. I can see Man, the gray up, more dude. clearly. Man, you gonna go there, dude? All right, all right. Let's go with you then.
1: Shoot, how'd you get overweight? <laughs> oh man i'm kidding dude. <laughs> man i'm bordering on fl- the pot the pot calling the kettle black dude, right i saw you and i was like man i want to be him
0: yeah dude i'm tubbo man and i don't have a problem saying that
1: i loved it when uh, mike called you a fluffy mexican that he met <laughs> outside a store in north dakota i'm like fluffy dude i need to be fluffy dude anyway this- yeah so depression uh self-mutilation which we call cutting uh and suicidal tendencies and uh, the suicidal tendencies, I just gutted my way through for many, many, many years. Didn't go for help. Um,
0: Isn't it funny Todd brought that up on Sunday?
1: I went for help on when I was 17. I went to the pastor of our church, and he talked to me a bit. And then he said, how old are you? And I said, 17. He's like, I have to tell your parents. And I'm like, man.
0: you know." Yeah, what do they call that? If, if, he, if he doesn't tell him, it's like a... You know what I'm saying? It's like a neglect type thing. Then yeah, if it happens down here it's Baker he's,
1: acted. He's liable. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, if I yeah. actually go home and do well, it good for him It's good for him. He did the right thing. But I think the whole state's approach to suicide and the federal government's approach to suicide and people who have suicidal tendencies is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was a volunteer youth leader at one point and we were told if somebody comes, if a kid comes to you and says they're suicidal, you have to tell their parents and uh, direct them to a professional. Okay. Do you know how much it takes just to go to somebody you trust and True. say, I'm suicidal. I think about killing myself on a regular basis. And they're going to tell you, sorry, time out, can't talk to you right now because it's against the law. So I need to direct you to a stranger and have you spill your guts to them. Which you won't. That would shut me down in <clears throat> an instant. Yeah.
0: I'm finding it now. People that trust, like even tr- we I had a conversation with two of the office people today about vulnerability and like, are we truly vulnerable? Even people you trust, are you truly vulnerable to be truthful and honest with each other? And you know, let alone, like you said, you know, getting the state involved with professionals that dude, let's be honest here. I mean, what they, they got through college and all these other things, like how depressed could you have been? Do you know what I mean, like, do you know what I've been through really is the question. You know, I'll mean?
1: look at it like this. Okay. You don't send a guy who's never seen combat to talk to veterans. If you're smart. Because the veterans won't tell him crap. Mm-hmm. They won't talk to him. You're lucky if you get a veteran to talk to another veteran. They got to actually know each other.
0: What was it, 22 a day? 22 vets a day commit suicide?
1: You so got somebody who's suicidal, down. and you're going to send somebody with a doctorate to talk to them? And what, you think they're going to open up like a can of worms? Shortly after my mom's divorce, uh, my parents' divorce, my mom tricked me into going to see him a psychiatrist, because I was totally against psychiatrists, psychologists, anything. I didn't want anything to do with them. So we show up there, and I sat there for an hour, and I didn't say a word for an hour. It was like one-word answers. That was it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't open up to her at all. I disappointed my mom, but I was like, what do you expect? You lied to get me here. You know how I feel about this. And you think it's going to help? I don't think so. Right. Anyway, kind of wrapped around the subject there. So. No, it's good. Um, no, so they divorced when I was 17. I took it on myself a lot. It was like, you know, my parents have been through hell for 20 years. Why'd they do it? Because I was born. Kind of wish I'd never been born saved a lot of people a lot of trouble
0: yeah i get you
1: dealt with that for so a few years a lot of guilt over just being born and uh, kind of came through that my mom met um her, her current husband and uh he's a vietnam veteran army ranger really cool guy had a lot of the same personality traits as me would not open up easily did not trust easily and one day he and I just had kind of a heart-to-heart, and I was like, man, this guy's like... Legit. Yeah, and he's <clears throat> kind of like me. That's cool. And he suggested, because I'm in Idaho, and Idaho's not a year-round work state, basically. I mean, a lot of it shuts down for the winter. Yeah. So I was getting laid off every winter. And I gotten laid off. I didn't know what to do. And he said, why don't you go in the Army? Actually, he said, why don't you go in the Navy or the Air Force? And uh, I tried out for the Navy, and I was actually a day away from signing the paperwork. And they changed their regulations to, uh, to where they wouldn't accept GED. Because I hadn't graduated high school. I took my GED when my folks split. I was like, I'm done with school, man. I'm making money. I can work. And their one requirement was, if you want to quit school, you got to at least test out. So I tested out. So that left me the Army and the Marine Corps. So I get talking to the Army, and they're getting me lined up. And then I figure, I'll just talk to the Marine guy and just see what he says. I walked in. He looked one look, took one look at me and said, nah, Marines aren't for you, dude. I'm like, all right, you have a good day. You're right. <laughs> I got no interest in that. Um, so I did, uh, what was it, four years, a little change in the Army. Went in when I was 19. Did a tour in Iraq um at the end of my enlistment I got out and uh didn't really know what to do with myself um it's kind of tough you get into a, a branch of the service and everybody's telling you what to do from the time you get up to the time you go to bed and then you're left on your own and you're like hmm I'm not used to this who's gonna tell me what to do So I was a little adrift, and uh, during that time, I kind of I started trying to rebuild my relationship with my dad because it had suffered quite a bit. Um, At one point, I wanted nothing to do with him, of course. And so, was working on that, bounced around for a while, and then I, uh, I went to school for a little bit. And realized I couldn't afford it on just the GI Bill. So I kind of figured, what do you want to do? I was like, okay, well, I'll go get my CDL. Because truckers are always needed. And then I'll come back. You know, I'll work it for a year to get the experience to where I'm hireable. And I'll come back to school and I'll go for diesel tech. And then I've got two blue collar skills that are needed in an up or down economy. Because this was... 2008 had happened. Right. And I'm seeing guys in their 60s who are in an unemployment office going, dude, they just fired me. Nobody's going to hire me. They've been working heavy equipment for 30, 40 years. And what are they doing? Yep. You know,
0: Had no savings, had nothing, man. Yeah. I remember that time. That was terrible. Which scares me
1: because I'm I'm at almost 40 looking at the same thing. I got no savings. I got no 401k. I got no, you know. Retirement. Nobody taught me how to properly spend money and how to not properly spend money. Truth. So that's something else that kids need to be taught.
0: Yeah, it's something that uh, I just started getting into. You know, we talk about it a lot now savings, and you're actually smart. <laughs> you actually did and, and was smart in, in putting away money. And you're right. Growing up in a Hispanic family, we don't even think it's not what we were taught. You know, we'll spend it when you get it yep. or send it home. You know, like my, my family would send, you know, some of my family would send it to, to, to back to Mexico and stuff. But uh, just now with this year being 39, we just started something with, a, you know, so I'm trying to play catch up. Yep. You know what I mean? Because dude, I'm missing from 18 and on 20 years of my life that I just didn't it didn't do it. You yep. know, it just wasn't wasn't in the cards. You know what I mean? You're right. You know, so when's the last time you used arithmetic during tax time? You know what I mean? So it's like I mean, seriously, it's. It's these things that's like, man, these kids don't even know the basics sometimes getting out of high school,
1: you know? Oh, they're being pumped right into a system that encourages going into massive debt for jobs that will not pay at all. That's
0: exactly right, dude. It's
1: like, hey, you come out of high school, in high school, hey, do some college courses. Oh, yeah, go to college, man, go to college. We'll pay for it, right? Loans, no big deal, loans, no big deal. And I fell into that trap. And uh, then they get out, and it's like, now what? I got a Bachelor of Arts, man, or political science, or I'm an environmental activist. It's like, okay, how are you going to pay back that fifty, hundred and fifty, hundred and twenty, two hundred thousand dollars $150,000, 200000 that's garnering, garnering interest dude, every month?
0: and it's tough to do when you're a doctor or a lawyer. Can you imagine just any other, like, normal job that pays $60,000, 70000 a year? Yeah. That's tough, dude, you know? Yeah. Anyways, let's go back to the, when you were in, uh, you went to the military, you went to the Army. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were talking about like how it was difficult. You started to get into addictions and things like that. You get out. You're back to uh, trying to build a relationship with your dad, right? Then you go get your CDL. Mm-hmm. In during this time, where where was God and all that? Was he still on the back burner? Well, was he still?
1: Let's start with when I was uh, when I was 17. I've been going to church, and I was very, uh, very much in the Holy Spirit, forgiveness, God. And I lived for God. I loved God. God was the one thing that saved me. Yeah. The Literally constant. saved me. Cause I was battling suicide almost every day, but God was the one who was getting me through it. Yeah. When my folks split, I was just like, you know what?
0: <laughs> God takes the hit every time. He does. Dude. He does. You he know? does.
1: The thing was, and this is the ironic thing. I held a lot of anger towards my father. I held a lot of anger towards my mother and, uh, one time at church camp when I was, like, 16, God convicted me. He's like, you got to let this go. Yeah. So I just prayed. I let it go. Do. I called up my dad. I said, Dad, I need to apologize. I've held a lot of unforgiveness towards you, a lot of anger. And it was my, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh. It took a, a really ironic twist because when they split, I didn't have an outlet. I was angry. Sure. But can see that. I'd already forgiven my parents. So it didn't go towards them. Yep, it, it went towards God. Because God, why would you let this happen? See
0: that? It's a tough thing. Like, let's, let's, let's shoot straight, right? God gives us a law. He gives us his word. He mm-hmm. gives us all these things to prevent harm. We go off and make decisions. You're the fruit of it, right? You're, you're the fruit of bad decisions. Yep. And then he's the one to blame when things don't go right because we didn't obey him in the first place. It's so ironic. You know, school shootings happen. Remember, we've talked about this before. School shootings happen. Friends of mine will call. Literal. it happens almost every time. Yeah. Why does God allow this? Didn't he's, he's the one who wrote, thou shalt not kill. Who didn't obey that? And why is it God's fault that someone didn't obey that?
1: I mean, do you, do you know what I mean? I don't know about you. I wasn't built with an off switch on my back to where he can just push that button. And <laughs> exactly, I dude. Downgrade. Nope. I have no more violent tendencies, dude. We we um, love free will, right? But, but we don't like the exercise. That's of it. exactly when right. It we hate against, the responsibility. When of it, 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 it goes it. against our interests.
0: That's right. When, when the responsibility has to come on us. We hate free will. We hate the fact that free will exists, dude. This is this is good. That's a great
1: topic. I, mean, I think we got to save that one. You know, I
0: seriously, I, I kind
1: of sound like I'm just bashing my folks right now, but. They never should have gotten married in the first place. They just shouldn't. Now they did.
0: Looking back, right?
1: Yeah, Hindsight's
0: always 20. Definitely.
1: And I'm grateful they did because I'm alive. My sister's alive. I have an opportunity every day to wake up and do it right. I don't say I do, but I have the opportunity to, which I'm constantly grateful for. Because every moment I wake up I go, okay, I can do it right today. That's right. Maybe I didn't yesterday, but I can do it right today.
0: His mercies are new every morning, dude. So it's, it's good stuff.
1: And, um... They did actually instill a lot of good qualities in me. My dad started me working at 13. Smart. And he taught me, you know, you sacrifice for the job. You know, labor, labor, work, you know, work ethic. You start something, you finish it. That's good. And it was it's kind of an old Irish blue-collar family. That's where he came from. It came from, you know, six kids, Irish, Catholic, and uh, all very, you know, you earn your way. And his uh, his way of rebelling against his dad. His dad worked for the highway company, so he was a very much company guy. You know, you earn, you put into your retirement. That's and then you retire, and then everything works that way. What he didn't foresee was he died about a year after he retired, because the men in my family, when they run out of things to do, they run out of things to do. You know, it's almost like they just why am I getting up? Um, and my dad's sixty six. Somewhere around there, and he's still working. Good night. And he won't stop. I know he won't stop. But he was the first one in the family that went out on his own. And he's run his own company since before I was born. That's crazy, dude. So you have two ideals, but neither one of them taught me the proper use of money. And my mom taught me, yeah, work is good, but you got to know when... Uh, to go after something you want just because you want it. And to kind of follow your dreams. And I use my... I was always very imaginative when I was a kid. Something my dad tried to knock out of me. Because I'd have my head in the clouds. You sure, know? sure. And uh, I was artistic. And I was a daydreamer. And those were not good qualities to have when you're trying to work or you're trying to play sports or you're trying to do anything else. Disciplined. Exactly.
0: Yeah. When you're trying to be disciplined, that's worse.
1: So he discouraged that and my mom encouraged it. So that's quite the interesting little uh, combination of voices. Yeah. Coming from each parent. So they got divorced. I went, you know what? I've been living for God. All this. Another lie devil likes to throw at us when things don't go our way i've been doing everything right that's right and god let this happen to me anyway and it's not fair right okay get over it bad stuff happens because people are messed up They're and sinful, the world dude is like- fallen and it has nothing to- god didn't do this to you and just because you think you did everything right doesn't mean you don't have lessons to learn and if you pay attention, you'll learn more out of the bad stuff than you will the good stuff.
0: Truth. I'm finding out two things. Wisdom doesn't come with age. No. It comes with learning the lesson. No. And the second thing is failures are the seeds to growth. I'm learning this more and more, man. Failures are the seeds to growth. I think, and it's not. I'm not encouraging failure. I'm encouraging trying. I'm encouraging moving forward, taking a risk, You know, taking a leap of faith. All these things, which most people won't do because they're afraid to fail. They're afraid to have it spattered in their face. Do you know, Isaiah I believe it's 54 says that he will not put you to shame. He won't put you to an open shame. He said, you are my people. I won't put you to a shame. I think it's important to know that, like, dude, he wants you to step up. And, dude, you're going to fail people. You're going to fail. It, it sometimes happens. We confuse the, the word fail with fall. Most people, when they disobey, or not disobey, when they fail, they think, oh, my gosh, I must not have been hearing God. I must not have been this. Well, you're equating yourself to that word fall actually equates to when Satan fell from heaven. So in other words, he lo- he left his place with God, right? Sometimes we take it on ourselves when we fail. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's the end of the world. I can't do No, that's not fail. Fail is, dude, okay, I messed up. Let's get back on the horse. Let's move forward. You know what I mean? Because most people, they, they preach these good messages about not being defined by your failures.
1: Hmm. But they really are. Actually, my failures completely define me. If I try to be define my my successes, this would be a really short story. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, the fact is, I, I put it like this: you put a fighter in front of me, and I'll ask him how many fights he's lost. And if he says none, I say you're not a fighter. I mean. Military You're lucky (laughs) uh, Military we
0: Bro, look at what happened to Ronda Rousey
1: We don't go in unless we know we have overwhelming force Not an even battle But in life, you don't have overwhelming force It's you against whatever you're facing And you're going to get knocked around a bit And it's going to happen So you might as well just brace yourself Prep for it If you get through it, thank God If you don't, try again
0: Yeah Do you remember, she was what, 10, 11 and all or something like that? She lost that one fight. She just could not recover. No. She just sunk like a rock, no, dude. No, because
1: she, she hadn't lost before. That's exactly it. She wasn't prepped for it. She
0: wasn't prepped for it. So to her, you're the baddest woman on the planet, which nobody can disagree. She was crazy. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable to see her fights. But it's like the failure actually teaches you to win.
1: Well, you know, I'll tell you something else. The younger you are when you question your faith, the more chance you have of coming back. Ooh, that's good. The older you are, the harder it is. And I've seen that with family members. I've seen that with friends. They haven't faced something that made them question their faith until their late 20s, early 30s, late 30s. It's harder for them to come back because they had a it it throws their expectations. Mm. And they've lived with those expectations so long that they actually see them as facts. Life is going to go this way. Yep. You don't know that. <laughs> it's true. You know. So- um
0: so let's let's circle back to this then. So then you're you're out of the army. You're back. You're doing your CDO. Well, let we're, me let me,
1: let me go back to when I was in the army because there's something there that needs to you know was a was a good subject to talk about. Um, I was walking away from God. The Army took it to like times ten. Started drinking heavily as soon as I got in because that is the military. That is a lifestyle. Uh, pornography was constant. Um, I mean, I knew guys who pornography was playing 24 7 on their TV. They'd sleep with it running 24 7. And then other sexual immorality is promoted. It's not, there's not even a question. And um, your sexuality and your manhood is questioned if you would even speak up and say, you know, I don't think this should, you know, this is not going to be a part of my life. And then when I got to Germany with legalized prostitution, I took advantage of that. And I came to realize you start with pornography, you move, it brings you quickly into the rest of it. And what you are doing when you're engaging in even pornography is you are dehumanizing the objects of your desire. They're not human anymore. And if you can dehumanize the object of your desire, then it becomes, I don't care what's getting me to the point I want to get to as long as I get there. Which explains the perversion of homosexuality and other, I won't name them, but all the other deviances that we are seeing more prevalent in our society, that we are more and more accepting. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're getting bombarded by pornographic material. And that's just the entrance. That's just the doorway. Yeah. I
0: mean, take it a step further. That's why divorce is prevalent. That's why adultery is prevalent. That's why uh, promiscuity is prevalent. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I think too, the perversions, sexual deviancy, all these things, it literally is because people now, dude, we can't even value a baby in the womb. You know what I mean? So, no, like, we don't, yeah. do, we, if we don't value life at any level, no. you know, what are people to us? And then you have the, the hypocrites on the other side, right? Because we're conservative. But on the other side, who are saying, well, you know, a woman has the right and you shouldn't treat in the Me Too movements and all these things. It's like, but y'all don't even value each other when you guys are going on a red carpet. Literally, everything's hanging out. Y'all don't value oh, each this, other. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it goes deep and deep and deep. And that they're the first ones to cry wolf. I shouldn't say wolf. They're the first ones to cry when, you know, some bad happens. It's like, dude, we're trying to prevent this. That's you know my what I mean?
1: favorite. That's my favorite. They show up and they go, you know, it's a woman's prerogative, a woman's right. And you will not um, turn me, objectify me. You will not objectify me. Okay, I won't. But I'm going to wear this and this. And I'm going to have it all showing. But you better not objectify me. And I'm like, you're objectifying yourself. Totally, totally. But it's my fault? Now, granted, I'm responsible for my eyes. <clears throat> I'm responsible for how many times I look. A glance is one thing and, oh, no, don't need to see that. On second look, that's mine. That's on me. But at the same time, they're putting themselves out there as objects, and yet taking pride in the fact that they're objects. But then getting angry that they're being objectified. It's it's total hypocrisy. It's like respect yourself, and other people will respect you. And that's how I see it. Um, you can tell somebody who respects themselves. Because they actually, that respect doesn't just apply to themselves. They respect people around them. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough thing because they're really pushing it. They're pushing. You know, pornography is a doorway, and it's everywhere now. And nobody talks about where it leads. And now we've got kids being offered major surgeries to turn them from boy to girl, girl to boy. Um, and we're wondering how we got here. Yep. And anybody with half a brain goes, that's a psychological disorder. We need to treat the psychological disorder, talk to the child. But they don't go to that. They go from that straight to, oh, well, let's give you massive surgery. That's Completely screw up yeah. your mind. We normalize And go it. with it.
0: Normalize the intent of it, actually, too.
1: And that's, that's a bullet from a gun. You go for that, there's no coming back. You can't go afterwards and say, oh, I changed my mind. I, I really wasn't this way. It was a phase. We just call it phases. Kids had phases. Now we have to make the entire decision of the rest of that child's life based on a phase.
0: Bro, it's, <clears throat> that's a deep subject. I mean, I think more and more, you know, we look at pedophilia. And, and we've talked about this before briefly. Just, just one of those things that's a sexual deviancy. That if a person touched a five year old or an underage kid, we would be totally all over it, right? But a five year old can make a decision about their sex.
1: Yeah,
0: you know what I mean. So it just it's it's crazy. It's Put it another way. <clears throat> what it's if asinine, we made it? it le- what if
1: we made it the law that if your child comes to you and says I'm suicidal, you have to act on it? Because we're about two seconds from that. Hey, I want to be a girl. I want to be a boy. Oh. I have to do this. Well, I want to end it. I'm tired of this life. You're ten years old. yeah, you don't know what you want. We had uh had a girl on my first uh duty station. She was 13, ended up killing herself, went through with it, hung herself in the closet. and sorry if that's too descriptive, but um, at the time, I was kind of a we had sort of we have dark sense of humor. And, but my first thought was, I wish I could have talked to her. Right. Because I would have told her, you have no idea. It gets so much worse. <laughs> but if you can get through tonight, you can handle the next night. So the point was, yeah, it gets worse. Life gets harder as you get older. Mm, that's but good. through the previous hardships, you gain the tools to deal with it and face it.
0: Yeah, the strength. It's just, it makes you stronger. And I, you know, I'm glad I didn't kill myself when I was 20. I'm glad. I'm so glad, dude. I'm glad I never I am through too. It. I'm glad you I mean, here. dude, it's like, you got three kids and a, and a wife and you know what I mean? I get to live a, a, a pretty darn cool life. I get yeah. to travel and, and talk to people and give them hope and stuff. But, you know, imagine all of us who've been depressed, you know what I mean? That, that, that you've gone through it. Your wife's gone through it. I'm talking to Mike now. You, you know, um, I I just look at man all those needless deaths, and I'm saying needless respectfully. I'm not saying oh wow how stupid they were. I'm saying it was so needless that, you know, they could have added something to society. You know that they weren't paid attention to, that they didn't feel love, they didn't feel recognition. You know all these things, and it's like man had just <clears throat> had they just held on a little longer, you know, to see the light of the day. You know instead of the, you know it's it's it, what's that saying? The grass is green on the other side. Yeah. It's like I don't believe that man. Who waters it the best? You
1: know, let's we got to water these kids. I put it this way. The sun shines in the morning. Dude, all the time. You might be in the dark at night. Unless you're in Washington State. But the morning's coming. (laughs) True. Two point. Super, super gray. But I'm, um, I actually, before I even started coming back to the Lord, I was still living for me. Get back on that track, yeah. I was living for me. And God put me in two positions with two different people where I was able to talk them out of suicide. And one, one, one was right on it. I mean, she was going to go do it when I saw her. And I was not the, uh, the perfect witness at that moment. I was actually intoxicated and God gave me the words to say to her. I talked her back. I was like, okay, well, whatever. And the next one um, it was a teenager, and what I talked her into doing was go to bed and see how you feel in the morning because that's how I used to get through it. I would know that if I went to bed, I could get some sleep, I'd wake up in the morning, and things might look different.
0: Yeah, clear head.
1: Yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's a big one because you know, the Army taught me a really good lesson. Nothing stays the same. Everything always changes. If your life sucks right now, it's not going to stay that way forever. If it's good right now, it's not going to stay that way forever. Truth. So you better enjoy the good parts with a chokehold because it's going to change at some point and you're going to have to go through a little bit of suck and don't dwell on it because you're going to get through that too. Truth. So, yeah. Um, God started working in my life again. I told you, uh, 24 and I'd spent four years telling him, I don't want to hear you anymore. Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it because I could, you know, I had a strong conscience. Um, I'd had, I I received the Holy Spirit to my knowledge when I was 13. Um, and that was powerful and yeah, strong prayer life. And, and devotional times and all that during my teenage years. But in my early, early 20s, I was like, I know who God is. I'm not going to deny him, but I want nothing to do with him. Well, towards the end of my enlistment, I started waking up to the fact that what I'm doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. And it, was just a, it wasn't like angels sang and came from heaven and there was a booming voice and I was blinded for 24 hours or a week or whatever. It was logical deduction. I hit a brick wall in my personal life and realized that what I was doing was not working. Mm -hmm. So I kind of did a reboot. I looked at my life and went, okay, when was the last time you remember your life working? When I was following God. All right, well, then I guess you should start doing that again. So, okay. I got out of the Army and I quit drinking for two years. Just on my own, solid, I realized that the alcohol was a uh, was a problem, that I had a lot of problems in my life that I hadn't dealt with, and that I'd use the alcohol to push those problems away to so that I wouldn't feel them, wouldn't hear them, wouldn't see them. And um, I knew I couldn't let alcohol be a part of my life until I dealt with those issues. Issues from my parents' divorce, issues from my upbringing, um, just... A lot of stuff. And initially I said, I'm going to stop drinking for a year. I also quit smoking at that time. About about three months after I quit drinking, I quit smoking because I was a pack-a-day smoker. In case you can't tell from my melodious voice. But uh, I, I made it a year and I did another evaluation. I was like, Mm-mm, not there yet. So I pushed it out to two years. Mm. Now... I definitely improved, but there were still, there were new issues to deal with that I hadn't quite dealt with yet. Deployment, PTSD, um, guilt, and uh, I carried those with me for a while. Not entirely sure that I knew that I had them. I knew I had PTSD. I knew I had panic attacks, things like that. Um, but I just gutted through them as well. And I got back involved in the church and I felt led the last year I was in service that I should become a youth leader. Because I could remember that my youth leader, who's actually a friend of mine today, um, did a lot of positive work in my life during some very crazy times during my teenage years, my formative years. And I you know, I was like, if I can do that for another just one other kid, it's worth it. on, yeah. So I did that for a couple of years. It's challenging when you're serving God because you don't necessarily see the results right away, especially if you're working with youth you may not know that you affected anybody positively until you're in heaven and God says, you did this. And you go, wait, when did I do that? You know, it's a tough one. You don't necessarily get an immediate.
0: Yeah, the instant gratification. Yeah. I I think that's why people don't do it very often because we love the instant. We love the, you know, come on, man. We talk about just this pet story for me, man. William Wilberforce, 40 years, you know of his life spent to, to stop slavery. And, you know, it's, it wasn't the instant gratification. I think he went in there thinking, man, if I can just change their hearts, man, if I can just get them to see how evil this is, you know, they're going to change. And it took time, you know, and a lot of time and still people were against him, you know, for, for, for doing this. I think uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's it's tough to serve God and do something for, for, because, and, and to do it, knowing you won't be noticed doing it.
1: Well, God talks about those who believed and did not see. That's right. And how blessed they are. How many people in the first part of the Bible followed God and didn't see anything? Couldn't even see his face. They couldn't behold his glory. Couldn't get the Holy Spirit. That's right. We got the Holy Spirit now, and we still have trouble following God. It's in us every day. We got the map and the guide every day. Saying this direction, <clears throat> yeah, nah, I like that cliff. I want to go check that out.
0: Yeah, which is which is ironic. No, and
1: and, and it's, they didn't. They just had the the testament, the Old Testament. That was it. These which are they, the rules.
0: Which they didn't even have that. The Old Testament a guys. A lot didn't, of them didn't even have that. <laughs> yeah, they didn't yeah. even have that. They were just following they just God. Had, you know, they just had God. That's right. That's right. And there's and you know there's a lot to that story, uh, or or to that the whole history is that we do have the Holy Spirit which is why we can't make excuses, man. I mean, I think there's no other way to say it that again, failure happens, but my striving is to know him. You know, what is it? Paul said, I want to, he said, I, I, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. There's something about the power of God, you know, resurrected inside of you that overcomes fear. It overcomes, uh, you know, destruction overcomes hatred and anger and malice and wrath. You know, if there's no fruit of the spirit, you got a question, you know, like what kind of walk you're walking, you know, that's, Really, it and and it's a challenge to all of us, especially as Christians. I never want to say that we have it down pat, but I do think, you know, Jesus was right when he said, "Greater work shall you do," you know, than I did. And we were just talking about that sermon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Talks about you know, uh, you know, was on demons, yeah. but it was basically how the Bible talks about it. And dude, it was nothing for them to like cast them out. It was no. nothing for them to walk through these no. trials. It was nothing for them to walk into a city knowing they would be persecuted. Nothing for a Peter or a Paul, to be persecuted. And they just did it because it was like, you know what? My life's Christ anyways. It's, I'm hidden with him.
1: Paul's in prison being tortured probably on a daily basis in the mm-hmm. worst possible conditions you can think of. And he's getting guards to convert. That's right. Because he is in joy. Joy. Through the trial. James 1, yeah. And um, anyway, my walk away from God taught me something very important. My salvation is not based on anything I do or don't do. It's based on a decision I already made. And when you make it that simple, it's awesome. Because somebody who's trying to sell you a bill of goods always talks too much. But salvation, the difference between the saved and the unsaved is the saved said yes to a gift that is open to the world. It's open to everybody. And thank God I can't earn it because I wouldn't be able to even if he said, these are the standards. I just wouldn't. And what happened was, I read the scripture that said uh, he forgives all sins. Because I was trying to figure out if I had gone to the point where God could not forgive me anymore. And as soon as I read that scripture, I felt the Holy Spirit move. And it was a light bulb if the holy spirit's still within me and i still feel it then i'm still saved so if i'm still saved anybody can still be saved because i've done just about everything i could think to do that was against my original moral code
0: but you know what's funny is most people have done everything that's against their moral code they think man i haven't killed nobody have you hated somebody? That's yeah. murder. Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? Exactly. Like we think we haven't done the unthinkable. And they look at it the wrong way. They say, Oh, well, because of that, then I'm not good enough. Well, my thoughts, you're telling me my thoughts are are sin, then I can't I can't get into heaven. Well, of course you can. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me?
0: yeah i accept the 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 what you've done for me exactly i think too it's it's this the more i study salvation it's a simple thing but it also is this like it it's what paul said i'm not my own anymore i'm bought with a price yeah. i want to serve him yeah. my desires are different my my tendencies are still there sometimes i think old things still try to come up but my desire is lord i'm stri- i'm striving against this now i'm not just giving into it i'm striving and striving and lord i don't want to go you know i want to be perfected in who you are i don't want this old life anymore because what's the difference between me and the world i want to know that i have a god that can save me and redeem me from my sin the one that can take away future sins past sins present sins but also remove those things from me like that i don't have that desire anymore i just want him that's all i want this all this here it's not even going to matter, you know. Like the, the the ministries and all that, dude. He it was very poignant what Christ said. People will know that you're my children by the love that you have for one another. Yeah. Not by the ministry we had. Yeah. Not by the podcast. Not by the which I love. You're 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 fantastic at it. You know. I love having ministry. I love preaching. But so what, dude? If we didn't love one another, so what? If I didn't love God with everything I had, what's the point? You know. I think that's the hope we can give people. It's like, of course, you just said it. Of course you can't be saved. Of course. You know. Well, what
1: frustrates me is a lot of, uh, even churches go, you know, basically it's hell insurance. You need to come to Christ and be saved. Well, of course you do. I agree with that. That's the starting point. That's right. That's not the end, you know? And after you are saved, then you realize the amount um, how much you don't deserve it. How exactly you right. couldn't have earned it. And the gratitude from that gift yeah. is what prompts you to align yourself with God. It's like um, in some cultures, if somebody saved someone else's life, that person who was saved, their life was now theirs. That's right. So they would follow them and do whatever. They were basically submitted themselves to the will of that person. So if you take that and you go, okay, Jesus died on the cross, was tortured, and then died for me, specifically me, the world, but specifically me as well. For starters, that means I must be worth something to him. Even Even if I'm not worth anything to the world or even to myself, Because for a long time I had to deal with a feeling of worthlessness. Jesus saw me as worth his life. And I can't even find my own self-worth. But he did. That's right. So what am I going to do? I'm going to live for him. Why not? I mean, why not? You can't lose anything. The only thing you're going to lose is all the stuff you were following that tore you to pieces that made you question your own worth that took you to a place where you had no worth, where you're looking around and seeing darkness and going, how did I get here? It's, you know, and the thing I love is the, the closer I get to God, the simpler the answers get. Um, and I thought about it. I was like, you know, the Pharisees would go to him and try to ask him intricate, detailed traps of questions. You know, and he you know what is uh what is the most important law
0: yeah command
1: he turned it into two, two, so what do you do? He simplified it, God makes things simple, follow me, follow yourself, see what happens yeah
0: it's and it's it's all about that love, and dude, <clears throat> because we're at an hour. Uh, I, no it's good I just I, we want to thank Dan for coming on the show one of the things that we always want to get across is every time there's a story of redemption we want to highlight it because if God can save and I'm not saying this in a negative if God can save you uh,
1: he can save anybody that's
0: exactly it I think the more and more I see salvation come through in this light is that there's no prejudice with God he's going to save whom he saves and uh, he's, he's the one reaching out to you he's the one with the open he says I stand, behold I stand at the door and knock if any man opens, he said, then I will come unto him. And he will do that. Uh, when you're baptized in the spirit, he makes you a witness of him. And we, this is something that has life. I don't have purpose because, uh, because of me. And I found Jesus. I have purpose because he put the purpose in me. And you know what? Like you said, what am I losing? I'm losing everything that destroyed me. And I'm gaining everything that gives me life. That's exactly what happens in the Christian walk.
1: Can I add one more quick? Sure. Time? I spent four years telling God, go away. I don't want you. And when I turned around, he was right there. That's exactly right. And I went from that to thank you, Lord, for not listening to me and giving me what I wanted. That's exactly because it. Because it was completely messed up.
0: That's right. And he won't leave you, forsake you. It's funny. He's the one that never leaves. We're the, one that's, we're the ones that leave him. So when people say, I don't, I don't hear from God, he ain't leaving. You got to turn your ear to him. You got to turn your heart to him. So guys, again, thank you so much for tuning in self-evident podcast number 55 go online the selfevidenttruth. evident truth.com the self-evident truth.com copy some merch y'all support this ministry support your boys we need to get out there more man we got the cool hats you make america constitutional again guys we're coming up with some really new stuff uh we got some new shirts coming out some new designs and you should see them around the march time uh once again our, our government versus god curriculum is going to come out in march as well. And then we're doing an extended version of that, hopefully to be released in the fall time, which we're really excited about that because it's going to turn more of it into a a curriculum type Bible study type homeschool curriculum uh, if you want that. So again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in uh, and we'll see you guys next week.